This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Hello and welcome to today's BT Techno podcast. My name is Brian Ashenden and I have the pleasure of leading the BT Technical Services team, a team of experts that are available to answer any technical advice, strategy related queries you may have. Now, in one of our podcasts a couple of weeks back, I spoke to the legislative instrument that ASIC had released to support the annual consent measures that had passed through Parliament. Whilst work continues across the industry on preparing for these reforms to take legislative effect from the 1st of July 2021, there are a number of related issues that continue to be debated. Now, in today's podcast, I wanted to spend some time looking at a couple of these. And whilst it may not be possible to give a concrete answer on these matters, it is important for advisors to understand and to consider the potential implications as you determine how you will approach these new requirements. Now, a number of advisors who have previously had clients in ongoing fee arrangements have questioned whether they would be better off moving those clients to fixed term arrangements of up to 12 months duration. Now, by bringing the term of the arrangement to a period that doesn't exceed one year, then the annual consent requirements technically fall away. Although it is still worth noting that these consent arrangements apply to any advisor payments to come from a superannuation fund. Now, the choice to move to a fixed term arrangement is largely a business one. And in this sense, it's a decision that could differ from practice to practice. It could also differ from client to client, although there would likely be greater benefits to have a consistent arrangement with all of your clients. Now, whilst the annual consent requirements do fall away for fixed-term arrangements that don't exceed 12 months from a legislative perspective, is there actually a significant difference to what is involved? We know that under the new annual consent measures, for clients on an ongoing fee arrangement, you must provide an enhanced fee disclosure statement, or FDS, that talks to the services provided over the last 12 months, the fees paid for those services, the services proposed for the next 12 months and the fees proposed to be charged for those services. But under a fixed term arrangement, if you were looking to renew the fixed term arrangement for say another 12 months, no doubt you'll be telling your client what services you will provide over the next 12 months and what they'll be charged for those services. And in many, if not most cases, I expect part of your justification for those future fees will be a reminder for your client of what you did for them over the previous 12 month period and what they were charged to show the value they get for engaging your services. Now, under an ongoing fee arrangement, you'll need your client's consent to continue to deduct fees from their accounts. Under a fixed term agreement, wouldn't you also be seeking your client's consent to be able to deduct those fees for the next 12 months? Under the ongoing fee arrangements, you must provide a copy of that consent to the provider or the fees won't be paid. Under a fixed term arrangement, wouldn't you be advising the provider of the need to deduct fees and pay them to you? And the provider, if they see fees coming out on a continual basis in excess of 12 months, they may well ask to see proof that it's not an ongoing fee arrangement in order to continue the payment anyway. So wouldn't you be providing them with a copy of the fee arrangement to prove it's not an ongoing fee arrangement? Either way, to me it feels like there is a fair degree of similarity in the work and effort involved, whether you have clients on an ongoing fee arrangement or fixed term agreements. The form of providing the information and gaining the consent or agreement may differ, and perhaps one may be easier to deal with than the other. But which is easier and which is better will likely differ from advisor to advisor, practice to practice. And just one other element to consider, under an ongoing fee arrangement, if the client's consent is not received and given to the provider within 120 days of the anniversary date, then the ongoing fees must be turned off within another 30 days. 
This means the fees cease essentially 150 days after the relevant anniversary date if no consent is received. Under a fixed term arrangement, if the arrangement hasn't been renewed, the fees should cease on the anniversary date itself, which means your renewal process would really commence before the anniversary date, which could be a few months before that date. And you run the potential risk that the client wants to put off the renewal until the end of the existing contractual arrangement, and there is no guarantee as to how quickly they would then renew the new arrangement. Now lastly on this point, if you are considering a change from an ongoing fee arrangement to a fixed term contract, you would need to consider whether Standard 1 of the FASIA Code of Ethics has any application. This is the standard that requires you to comply not only with the letter of the law, but also its intent. Now if nothing else, perhaps this prior discussion helps in showing that changing fee arrangements doesn't really impact on the intent, and it certainly isn't against the letter of the law, to address previous fee-for-no-service concerns. Either method arguably gives this transparency. What did we do? What did you pay? What are we proposing? What will you pay? And please sign up for this to be the case. Either way, if there is no client agreement, the fees will cease. Now for some, the difficulty of annual consent requirements may be that different providers currently have different requirements, and the use of fixed-term agreements avoids the needs to deal with multiple and different forms. The development of a mandated industry consent form could overcome this, and many providers are already working towards this potential solution. Whether or not that can be achieved, only time will tell. And whilst the annual consent measures commence from the 1st of July 2021, it is still important to remember that the requirements will only apply for a client once their anniversary date arrives. Now remember, if you have any technical advice strategy questions, you can call our BT Technical Services team on 1800 655 901 or send the team an email at technical and join us for our fortnightly BT Academy technical webinars where we dive in more depth into various technical and regulatory matters. Our next session is scheduled for Wednesday the 21st of April 2021 when I'll be presenting on preparing for a successful budget outcome. We all know and tell our clients that the key to a successful budget is preparation, knowing what is coming and knowing what is achievable. And it's no different when it comes to the 2021 federal budget. In this session, we'll explore items that could have an impact on budgeting for clients as well as for your business by reviewing the status of prior budget announcements, the current regulatory and legislative environment, as well as some of the potential changes that could be announced in the 2021 federal budget. To register, head to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. You can also register for our special budget webinars held the morning of the 12th of May 2021, the day after the 2021 federal budget. And you can also view other previous webinars. And all these sessions do qualify for CPD points. Now, until next time, bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs.